I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. We are back with WNBA stocks, where myself and Owen Pence check the market on the WNBA as of today, June 27th. our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at winsider.com that's winsider.com you're looking to get tickets for the WNBA season thanks to our sponsor TickPick, you don't have to worry the original no fee ticketing site and official ticketing partner of the WNBA champion chicago sky use the link t-i-c-k-p-i-c-k.com backslash Winsider for all your upcoming ticket purchases for the WNBA, NFL, NBA, or any other event. That's TickPick.com backslash Winsider. WNBA stocks, where we check the pulse on the market. Today is June 27th. I'm here with Owen Pence, and before we get into it, let me just give you guys a recap. Two weeks ago, New York and Seattle were our up teams, and Dallas and Atlanta were our down teams. Last week, Chicago and Minnesota on the upswing while Phoenix and Las Vegas dipped down. Owen, how you doing? And uh, then you can just start off with your up team whenever you're ready. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm doing wonderfully. I'm feeling good. And, uh, you know, we recorded on Wednesday last week. We've been doing Monday shows consistently throughout the season. And, and last week was the first week we had to uh, had to adjust the schedule here. So we're really going on like five days of games and data. So it's it's not a whole lot, but I'm excited to uh, to dive in here with my first up team, uh, the New York Liberty, the team that I am in market for, that I that I am lucky enough to, to cover in person on a consistent basis, and uh, a team that we talked about a couple weeks ago in a positive light. And, and here they are again, kind of one of those examples uh, of when a stock rises and then continues to ascend. It, it, right now, there's no you know upswing downswing with this team. Uh, really, since you know maybe eight games into the season, when they you know they win the opener against Connecticut, everyone's feeling great, and then they just go on a wretched losing streak, turning the ball over like no one's business. Really, not even looking competitive in a lot of games and losing winnable games at home to to teams like Indiana. Where, where you're like, man, if this team you know, is serious about making the playoffs, that can't happen. But we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. They started to turn things around, and now it seems like it's more legitimate. Now it seems like, oh, this is a playoff team for sure. This is a team that's going to be kind of in that middle tier. They're not among the, the league's elite, um, but they're in that middle tier of teams where you don't want to face this team in a best of three in the playoffs. Absolutely not. Uh, I think the, the player that just has to be talked about. There's really no one else to talk about other than Maureen Johannes. She comes in, you know, is the latest addition to this team after, after playing overseas and has completely transformed uh, what, what this team is able to do and how they look on a night to night basis. I'm going to, you know, I'm the, I'm the stats guy. I'm the numbers guy. So I'm going to jump right in here with, with some advanced statistics this one's pretty simple on on court versus off court, right? So how does the team play and perform when Marine is on the court versus how do they perform when she's resting on the bench? 
or in this case at the start of the season was was not present for for you know much of the early season schedule so when marine has been on the court this team's net rating is is plus 9.6 which would be tied with vegas for second in the league behind connecticut and when she's off the court they're minus 9.2 which would be essentially in line with indiana at the bottom of the league so marine has really uh, taken a lot of heat off Sabrina and shout out to Crystal Dangerfield, who I mentioned a couple weeks ago as well, who, you know, was kind of the first one to, to come in and really ease the nightly workload of Sabrina, you know, help take the ball up, just make sure she doesn't have to do all of the, of the point guard duties. But Marine is, I mean, she is like, she's just got the pizzazz factor. It's like, you just never know when you know a breathtaking play is going to happen with her on the court a behind the back pass or a you know a no look pass it's really the passing that transforms this team because now you're able to utilize Sabrina off the ball this team has a lot of shooting Beck Allen Sammy Whitcomb even their bigs Natasha Howard Steph Dolson can knock down threes so when you have multiple above average passers on the floor and multiple above average shooters all of a sudden they become really difficult to stop and, and, you know, their offense is still near the bottom of the league, but it's starting to rise. They're starting to score points. They had a really impressive win on Wednesday night in Connecticut and then follow that up in Atlanta with a, you know, kind of take care of business win, one of those games that you need to win and that they were losing early in the season. The vibes are just really good on this, on this team right now. And it finally seems like things have clicked into place because they have that true point guard who can hit threes, but more importantly, who is just making everyone look so good with her passing. Yeah. uh, You talked about the offensive side. I'm going to talk about the defensive side and I'm going to keep it brief and not dive into the amazing numbers like Owen, Uh, but I'll bring up a few numbers, 77, 77 and 72. The last three games in reverse, uh, how much they've given up. Uh, sorry, 81 to the storm. When, you, when you're in a situation where you're keeping opponents to 77 or less, you're in a good situation, especially when you have the offensive firepower like you talked about. So for me, it's much more about the defense. I mean, I think when, you know, players are going to go on streaks where they're not hitting their shots. We see that throughout with a, a variety of players at all levels. But the key to good defensive or sorry, good teams is defense in my mind is eventually the offense is going to sputter a little bit. We saw that heck in, maybe this is the wrong example, but Connecticut last year um, with, with a quite impressive offensive uh, firepower team. And yes, their defense was insane also, uh, but obviously, you know, Alyssa Thomas kind of screwed that up, but, but the ability for teams when your offense struggles to kind of fall back onto just a, stingy stingy defense i think is so key and that's what i think i've seen from the new york liberty of recent um their defense seems consistent their defense seems like they're playing the scouts um like they know who they're playing and that there is a drive and i know that the offense and the defense in all sports but specifically in basketball really feed off of each other um and it's kind of like a chicken or the egg type thing but i i mean i just that's what i've been impressed by is is the ability of new york to actually lock down and make consecutive stops when they need it. Um, Because one of the other things that we've seen from New York is like, they'll let New York and LA, they'll let teams back in. 
right? Like the, they will let other teams get back into a game with a late lead. Um, and when you do that, sometimes the momentum goes to the other team and then you're just SOL. But yeah, the, the, the New York Liberty's defense has just been, I wouldn't say impeccable, but very impressive. And I think a big reason why I totally agree, this has to be a team uh, that's on the up and up. I believe they're also the only team on a two game win streak currently. So that's cool for them. Uh, my team kind of segued into it. LA Sparks. Um, the way Neka Gumake has been playing of recent is just ridiculous. Really? I mean, we know she's an MVP. We know she's uh, a top player in this league. But with the moves and over the past few years, right, like at a time, just a few a, a blink ago, it was the Candace Parker, Chelsea Gray, Christy Tolliver, uh, NECA, uh, Elena Beard, all that. Like all the time, NECA was kind of a watered down superstar in the sense of there were so many other superstars around her. She wasn't getting the full spotlight. Um, you know, it's like being a a solo act versus being in a band. She was definitely in a band. And as we've seen this team kind of shift in the Derek Fisher era and now in the post Derek Fisher era, um, I think one of the interesting things was more than ever, she has like just put her foot down and said, no, 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 I'm the superstar of this team. You look at this team and what they did, what the LA Sparks did over the off season, bringing in Liz Cambage, Kennedy Carter, Katie Lou. Um, a variety of other players through the draft and different moves, Canada that I don't think anybody expected. I mean, like expected isn't the right word, Owen, but like nobody sat here and went like Neka Gumake is going to far, far above be like the player of this team. And, and maybe I'm like misrepresenting it, but just the way that she has played of recent has just been ridiculous MVP level play from her. Obviously she's not on the top team, so it's not realistic, but um, you know, I, I just think now that Fred is here and the D fish days are done, I think this team is moving up. We've seen some stumbles on the way. This isn't me saying they're a contender. This isn't me saying, you know, they're going to be swinging for the playoffs and they're a guarantee shoe and playoff team, blah, blah, blah. I think we're still in the situation I said from the beginning of the year, which is this team at its best could be very, very dangerous and a contender. Um, but if it's not that, it's really going to sputter and it's going to look really bad. The Sparks are, they did win two of their last three games, a tight one against the Mystics, a loss to Chicago, which was just a blowout, which is a completely fair reason for a lot of people to maybe push back on putting them on the up. Um, but then an 85-77 win on Saturday against the Storm. Um, I just think that we're seeing this team kind of move past the negative press that we've seen throughout this whole season and they're headed in the right direction. A hundred percent. I think you, uh, you touched on most of what I wanted to mention in regard to the sparks. I mean, with NECA, it's ridiculous. The consistency to me is the most staggering thing. It's like when we talk about consistency, I feel like generally we think about someone who's just very solid, like a, just a good rotation player. They're consistent night in night out, a, a shape heady is a great example of just one of the most consistent, you know, great performers in this league. But what NECA does year in and year out is play at an MVP level consistently. And that's why I think her and, and Sill 
we need to give them their flowers while they're still in this league and still playing because I think it just becomes expected. It becomes commonplace to just be like, oh yeah, they're going to, you know, just be themselves. And the fact that they're doing this into their thirties and still playing at MVP levels is absurd. I mean, when it comes to NECA this year, she's third in PER. That's player efficiency rating. It's kind of an all encompassing advanced stat. The top two in, in that stat right now are Stewie and Asia. And then you've got Neka Gumake, who just consistently does everything well on the basketball court. I, 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 it just can't be said enough, can't be overstated. So that was really the main thing I wanted to mention. And then, like you said, I mean, the stock has to go up simply by virtue of the fact that the Derek Fisher era is, is in the rear view. Uh, is a really perplexing handful of years for this organization kind of tying all of of their you know equity if you will into Derek Fisher as both a coach and as a general manager and deciding to really you know move forward with him at the expense of the greatest or you know one of the top two we'll say Candace and Lisa Leslie the top two sparks of all time uh, they 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 let her go. They let her walk. I mean, she should have been a career Los Angeles Spark. They botched that. They decided to go with Derek Fisher over Penny Toller. I mean, there, there's just they, they really set themselves back by about four or five years by hitching their wagon to someone who really you know didn't show any signs of of competency at at his job. I mean, sure, he I, I don't want to you know, paint him as this complete disaster because I mean, he was, he was, he was, let's just be real. He was there. There were good things. He's smart, but ultimately, you know, it was a disaster. And so to just be done with that era, the stock goes up, you know, automatically. I, I, I still have questions about Fred and whether, uh, you know, he's going to be hired full-time after this season, whether they're going to go in a different direction. I think that the, the main question right now with this team, now that the Fisher, situation has been resolved is Kennedy Carter and I think first and foremost I just want to say I hope she's doing okay I hope her her mental health is okay she's she's been posting a little bit on Instagram and it just seems like yet another frustrating season and situation for her um from a basketball perspective I don't quite understand you know not playing her at all like in that Chicago game right they're just getting absolutely cooked on both ends why are you playing Christy Tolliver? Why not get Hollywood some minutes and some run? Clearly there's other stuff at play here. So I don't really want to comment on something I, I don't know the details of, but that's what I'm going to be monitoring going forward to make sure this stock continues to rise because they are a playoff contender. I don't really see them winning a playoff series, but when NECA is playing as she does and just doing everything at an MVP level as she does, this team is going to be a team you don't want to face. The fans love points, right? How many points is this player doing? How many? I just want to throw out, this isn't like, I'm not going to break it down so eloquently uh, as you would, but Neka Gumake has one game this whole season where she did not score 12 or more points. And that was against Las Vegas where she shot three from eight. It was her worst game of the season by far, just six rebounds, one assist, fine. Besides that, she has one 12 point game, a 13 point game, and everything besides that is 15 plus. And that is consistent of one, two, three, four, five, six 
20 plus games, a 30 point game, a couple 19ers. I mean, she is just on a tear. Um, it's, it's just re- like, uh, yeah, there's, it's just ridiculous. Um, for those who, <laughs> for those who don't know, Winsider has been hosting some WNBA watch parties using a cool new platform called Playback where we can all watch together. So there's no spoilers. We've been doing some fun giveaways, vintage WNBA jerseys, posters, WNBA Top Shot. It's free to sign up, and really it just takes two minutes. And I believe we're going to be giving away some tickets to an upcoming game this season. Um, For our next stream, we haven't decided what day it will be, but you can pay attention to our social media to see. We'll always pin it to the top of the Winsider, at Winsider on Twitter, and we'll put it on all the other social media forms. Now to the down teams. Um, you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. This is actually fun because we've identified the two down teams, but I, now I'm realizing we didn't even uh, de- deliberate over who would choose which one. So I'm just going to go for it. And then cool. and, and I'm going to I'm gonna leave you with the other one. I'm going to choose um, Indiana here. Oh, the cop out. He cops out. Sorry, he go. cops out. <laughs> he doesn't want the heat. He's, he's putting the heat on the boss. Um, no, okay, so that's a teaser for for who the other down team is going to be. Controversial. <laughs> Controversy coming soon. Um, as far as the fever go, again, this is one of the more, like, tepid uh, segments uh, in terms of a stock being down. Because it's like, ultimately, I've talked about the fever on this podcast this year uh, as a team on the upswing. Their stock was up. Um, there's a lot of excitement surrounding the fact that this team finally seems to have accrued some legitimate young talent and seems to be moving forward with the mindset that developing the youth is kind of the goal and who cares if we win games. And at the start of the season, they actually won a few and were kind of being a little pesky. And honestly, that's continued. Uh, you know, Indiana only played once since we since we last recorded and they got blown out by Dallas. But if you go back to the game before that, uh, I believe it was like last weekend, you know, nine days or so ago, they beat Chicago by two. And Melissa Smith, who is ultimately the most important player on this roster right now, you could make a case it's Kelsey Mitchell. I would make the case that it is the rookie, the number two overall pick. Melissa Smith, 26 points, 11 rebounds on 11 of 17 shooting against the defending champions in a two-point win. I mean, that is overwhelmingly positive and something you love to see. And those type of wins really matter in a in a long, grueling season where losses are going to continue to pile up. So you need those bright spots. So I want to I want to make that disclaimer that this is not like a drastic stock is plummeting type of situation. However, Indiana is my downstock this week. And it goes back to something that I've talked about a number of times, which is kind of the push-pull and the inconsistency in terms of the minutes that some of these rookies are getting. Um, Destiny Henderson, in that game against Chicago, played 20-plus minutes. You know, didn't have an overwhelmingly great game from a box score perspective, but she played over half the game. She was a big part of the win. Um in their game before that, which was a loss to Phoenix, she played nine minutes. And then in the blowout loss to Dallas, she played nine minutes. When you're getting blown out by the wings and you have a number of rookies on the roster, including a young point guard who was, you know, the most outstanding player of the final four, who 
has really proven herself in games this season at the pro level and has also shown real areas where she needs to develop her game and grow. Why would you not give her more run? Why would you not play her the entire second half? I mean, those reps really matter. That is what a a season like this is for. Emma Cannon got more minutes than Destiny Henderson in that, in that loss to the wings. And it's just really perplexing if you're going to, you know, have four, five rookies, whatever on the roster, if you're going to have all this young talent and say, okay, we're building for the future. The rebuild is finally starting in good faith here. Then you can have a potential point guard of the future playing nine minutes in a game where, you know, it wasn't competitive at all down the stretch. Um, and then I, the, the only other thing I want to mention here with the fever is Lexi Hull, who, you know, was the one pick that everyone kind of seemed a little shocked by, perplexed by, however you want to describe it. People had some issues with that selection. Now, Lexi Hull was great at Stanford, you know, a sharp shooter. Um, she just hasn't had enough time to kind of gain a rhythm offensively. And so the numbers just look really bad. And again, what I'm going to quote here is is from a minuscule sample size, which is part of the problem. Your number six overall pick, she's got to play, even if she's playing really poorly and, and struggling to gain rhythm. Well, how do you get in rhythm? You play your young players. Lexi's shooting 24% from the field and 16% from three. And that's really like her main strength is shooting. So they're just getting, you know, hardly anything from her. She had a good game recently, but uh, they've just been few and far between. So I think that would be the frustrating thing for me if I'm a Fever fan is that, you know, two of your primary rookies in Destiny Henderson and uh, and Lexi Hull, just on a night to night basis, you don't know if if they're even going to get a chance to really do anything. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, the 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 roster itself. I would say, I mean, I'll just give my general thoughts on Indiana because I think with Indiana, it's 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 ebbs and flows. Um, obviously, I'm I'm happy. I agree with moving on from Marion. Um, I still question the Lexi draft. Uh, if you listen back to uh, with Rachel on the Windsider show, we had Lynn Dunn on and speaking to her. I mean, you can read between the lines and uh, I won't like speculate or anything. But what I will say is just listen back to the episode and, and listen to who. Lynn Dunn is complimenting on that roster and who she kind of omits, um, I think says a lot. And sometimes you have to read through those lines kind of like, uh, what was it? Vanessa Nygaard had some, some quote after the first game without Tina and Phoenix, where she was like, this was what you saw was a group of players of professionals who want to be here and like respect their teammates and respect the contract they signed coming in. And it like, obviously was a Tina shot. Um, in general, I just think that, the Indiana Fever are kind of um, doggy paddling right now, in a sense. Like, okay, we're no longer sinking. The like the boat has been destroyed. We're no longer sinking. Um, but where do we go from here? Is kind of or maybe not. Doggy paddling is not the right. Maybe like the rudder's broken. Um, but they have a beautiful ship because I agree with you. The they finally have a legitimate source of talent, a legitimate roster of players who to grow through. I mean, look at the obviously a little different, but look at the, the Dallas wings of a few years ago when they got that crazy hole and it's no pun intended. Um, and, and just pushing uh, the growth of these players is going to be the key to their success. Um, that's where Indiana is. I feel like, I mean, I don't think uh, Knox is, is, is the solution. I think 
it's okay let's get through this season let's use this kind of as like an elongated training camp to see fully what we have from these young players who to keep who to drop um and enjoy the offseason indiana fever fans because it's going to be a wild one there's going to be a lot of moves i would have to think um because I think they have enough of a core that they can start to think to build, bring in some vets, good vets, um, and build around them. Obviously, they have some contractual issues with some other vets who are currently on roster, but not here nor there. Um, my down team. I'm curious to see what uh, what Owen's gonna, what stat Owen's gonna bring up with this one is the Seattle Storm, um, and maybe it's just the simplicity of the eye test throughout the whole season. Maybe it's that. Um, you know, we just haven't seen them just blow through teams. It's pretty ridiculous to sit here for a team. I guess it's only been two games um, since we did our last podcast. Um, and they won one against the Mystics and they lost one against the Sparks. The Seattle Storm just have not looked impressive. It's it's of recent. It's been a lack of offense, a lack of defense. And it's it's kind of like a, a pick your poison type situation where, and not in the good way that we're used to speaking about with the storm. It just looks like they've lost their pizzazz. It looks like they've lost that, that second gear um, that other teams just don't have that we've seen a lot from Vegas in uh, this season. A few things that I, I really want to bring up before I let Owen and we can discuss the whole Tina Charles thing is just Jewel Lloyd shooting 14 of 49 over the past four games. And that's concerning for me because Jewel, like when I looked at this team, we knew Sue Bird was on the downswing of her career. We knew that there was going to be holes um, because as isn't, you know, fully grown, hasn't reached her full potential, isn't in, um, you know, the peak of her career and they need somebody to pair next to Brianna Stewart. And they haven't found that person yet. And obviously that's where Tina comes in. Um, they lost, a the defense you know the the what, what's the term three and d with alicia clark um and we've seen them kind of patchwork this together and i'm a huge mercedes russell fan and i'm a huge fan um of a lot uh, of of uh, um gabby williams but they're almost trying to fit them in to situations that they're not ideal for and when you're doing that you need your superstars to kind of fill the gaps fill in the leaks. And that's where I expect uh, Stewie and Jewel to really step up. And Jewel from a offensive production standpoint just has not looked at now that to be said, I mean, they of the last four games, 71 or set. Yeah. 71 is their low. They score 80 two times. They score seventies two times. So clearly there's a flux, but like we were talking about before earlier, like if you don't have with New York, like if you don't have the offense, then the defense becomes that much more important. If you don't have the defense, then the offense becomes that much more important. Um, and it just seems like they just can't get everything going together. Owen? Yep, you you nailed it. I mean, I'll jump right in with my my usual statistical segment here. Uh, just the basics. They're, they're fifth in net rating overall, you know, well below the the kind of elite tier, which is Connecticut, Vegas, and and then Chicago, Washington's fourth but ninth in offense and third in defense. So this team is, is really stout kind of as we expected them to be on the defensive end. Uh, you know, obviously Sue is a, is a person you have to hide on defense um, at this point in her career, but Jewel, Gabby, 
Stewie, Ezzy, especially, are all really exceptional defenders. And Ezzy is someone who, you know, has taken a massive leap and I think is... is January, too. And January, too. Yeah, thank you for not letting me omit her, who, you know, is one of the great defenders that that this league has seen on the perimeter. Um, so, you know, they have the defensive firepower, but I'm glad you mentioned Alicia Clark because I think that is the type of player they're missing right now is someone who is going to be able to knock down any sort of shot is going to always make the right play, keep the ball moving and isn't someone that you have to uh, worry about on the other end defensively. I think that right now what we're seeing is, you know, Gabby Williams, uh, just brief aside here, watching Gabby Williams play in person for the first time, I was in awe of her rebounding. I mean, she was rebounding over way taller players. It was super cool to watch. So I just wanted to mention that real quick. But, you know, with Gabby, someone who can hit shots, can knock down shots, can be really great offensively sometimes, but is not consistently someone who you can rely on to hit the three ball. And they're really they're really struggling to kind of find that player right now. And so I think that, um, you know, when we talk about Jewel having uh, an uncharacteristically poor season just in terms of of, you know, her shooting and her scoring, she still is having really good games. You know, she's still an all-star undoubtedly. Um, but the flow just isn't there offensively with this team. The ball seems to stick or that, you know, that the first action gets shut down and then they kind of just play iso ball. There's just not the flow that they had in those championship seasons, which kind of is a segue into the final little element of this that that we obviously have to talk about, which is the Tina Charles edition. You know, in a perfect world, this is the perfect signing for them, right? Because they have not gotten much from Jontel Lavender off the bench. They need an offensive spark, and Tina Charles is a prolific offensive player. But I just worry about her fit with this team. Is this the type of offensive player that is going to help things? Because Tina needs the ball in her hands, and so does Jewel, and so does Stewie. And sure, if Tina is coming off the bench and is happy with that and is not at all eating into Ezzy's minutes, then I think it's a positive and something that you clearly do. But I just have a hard time envisioning that. I mean, I'd love for her to prove me wrong. She's proven a bazillion people wrong over the course of her illustrious career. Um, But I just don't see her, you know, fitting into this roster in a way that's not going to take a chunk out of someone else's uh, minutes or touches and you know with Ezzy it's like you need to keep playing her as much as you've been playing her I mean she is the 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 massive bright spot of this season obviously Stewie per usual playing at an MVP level as well um, but Ezzy's you know one of the future faces of this franchise and Tina is not someone who's going to launch this team you know, into the elite tier by herself. Like they, they need more than that. They need, they need a shooting guard. They need some other pieces here. Tina's not going to, to, you know, launch them from fifth in net rating to the, to the elite bunch. And so that, that makes me question whether it's going to be worth it in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I, I was tempted to say for down just the signing of Tina, right? The Tina curse is enough to, to put them on the down one. Um, Look, Tina's proved a lot of people wrong. The one, the the few people she hasn't proved wrong, so far at least, are the people who said she's not going to win a championship. Um, you know, the, you can do all your own research. Um, I suggest go back, look at how things ended with Tina in Connecticut, in New York, in Washington, and now in Phoenix. Um, so I, I think for me, it's a, it's a double-edged sword question of, on the one hand, I'm questioning 
you know, positionally play style, is that a good fit? On the other hand, I'm questioning, okay, but is she going to be a good fit for this locker room? That's, uh, that's what I'm curious of. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm excited to see here. Stockwatch, um, you know, can't go an episode without talking about Minnesota. Minnesota is back on Stockwatch, in my opinion. Um, honestly, just because we were talking about this before, it seems like they've just run out of all the luck that they had during their dynasty years because they're doing the right things to win. They have one of the top rated offenses in the last six games. They're yet again losing games. I think it was before their two-game win streak against the Mercury. They had lost, I want to say it was five in a row, and four of those games were decided by a total of seven points combined between all four of those games. Um, And then just a heartbreaker of a three-shot from Vandersloot to seal the game, which I was hoping for an overtime because that was a fun game um, in Sill's last game in Chicago. Stock watch for you, Owen. I'm excited to see where Minnesota goes to finish that one up. Go. Yeah. Uh, stock watch for me this week. A lot to choose from. A, a, a tasty slate. Um, but I'm going to go with the dream. Uh, Atlanta has has a gauntlet this week at Washington, at New York, home for Seattle. Atlanta still first in defense, kind of surprisingly. They're not, you know, on pace with that kind of early season, like historically good defense but they're still first and they're still last in offense still really can't find a way to generate points. Um, And so, you know, with these three games here, we're starting to get to a point where they're about to fall out of the playoff picture. You've got LA, you've got Phoenix, even Minnesota still, you know, has an outside chance at uh, at sliding into that final playoff spot. If you assume that New York is going to continue to play as well as they have, that really leaves one, one final slot and Atlanta is occupying it for the moment, but it's very tenuous. And I don't think it's a, it's a failure of this team at all. No one expected them to make the playoffs or, or start as, as well as they did. You just want to see development from the young players. And obviously Ryan Howard is looking like the superstar that they hope she would be. So that's really all that matters, but I'm just going to continue to monitor the dream because if they can steal one of these games this week, okay, then they continue to kind of hold on to that, to that eight spot but they could slide out of it very quickly. And that's kind of what I'm expecting to happen. So I just want to, to watch them and see if they can, you know, figure, figure out a way to score some points. Thank you, Owen. We'll be back next week with WNBA stocks where I, Aria Schwartz and my pal Owen Pence discuss where the market is in the W.